Voices of Today presents Abdul Aziz, Two Sketches of the First World War, by Stephen Leacock. Abdul Aziz has his, featuring Kate Barrett as the narrator, Graham Scott as Abdul, Marty Chris as Codfish Pasha and the Field Marshal, and Dennis Daly as Too Much Coffee, Attendant and Turkish Attendant. Abdul Aziz has his, an adventure in the Yildiz kiosk. Come, come, Abdul, tell me all about it. I put my hand not unkindly on his shoulder, but he only broke out into renewed sobbing. There, there, don't cry, Abdul. Look, there's a lovely nargili for you to smoke, with a gold mouthpiece. See? Wouldn't you like a little atakya, eh? And here's a little toy Armenian. Look! See his head come off. Snick! There, it's on again. Snick! Now it's off. Look, Abdul! But still he sobbed. His fez had fallen over his ears, and his face was all smudged with tears. It seemed impossible to stop him. I looked about in vain from the little alcove of the Hall of the Yildiz kiosk where we were sitting on a Persian bench under a lemon tree. There was no one in sight. I hardly knew what to do. In the Yildiz kiosk, I think that was the name of the place, I scarcely as yet knew my way about. In fact, I had only been in it a few hours. I had come there, as I should have explained in commencing, in order to try to pick up information as to the exact condition of things in Turkey. For this purpose, I had assumed the character and disguise of an English governess. I had long since remarked that an English governess is able to go anywhere see everything, penetrate the interior of any royal palace, and move to and fro as she pleases, without hindrance and without insult. No barrier can stop her. Every royal court, however splendid or however exclusive, is glad to get her. She dines with the king or the emperor as a matter of course. All state secrets are freely confided to her, and all military plans are submitted to her judgment. Then, after a few weeks' residence, she leaves the court and writes a book of disclosures. This was now my plan. And, up to the moment of which I speak, it had worked perfectly. I had found my way through Turkey to the royal capital without difficulty. The poke bonnet, the spectacles, and the long black dress which I had assumed had proved an ample protection. None of the rude Turkish soldiers among whom I had passed had offered to lay a hand on me, this tribute I am compelled to pay to the splendid morality of the Turks. They wouldn't touch me. Access to the Yildiz kiosk and to the Sultan had proved equally easy. I had merely to obtain an interview with Codfish Pasha, the Secretary of War, whom I found a charming man of great intelligence, a master of three or four languages, as he himself informed me, and able to count up to seventeen. You wish to be appointed as English, or rather Canadian, governess to the Sultan? Yes. And your object? I propose to write a book of disclosures. Excellent. An hour later, I found myself, as I have said, in a flagstoned hall of the Yildiz kiosk, with the task of amusing and entertaining the Sultan. Of the difficulty of this task, I had formed no conception. Here I was at the outset, with an unhappy Abdul bent and broken with sobs, which I found no power to check or control. Naturally, therefore, I found myself at a loss. The little man, as he sat on his cushions, in his queer costume and his long slippers, 
with his fez fallen over his lemon-coloured face, presented such a pathetic object that I could not find the heart to be stern with him. "'Come now, Abdul,' I said. "'Be good!' He paused a moment in his crying. "'Why you call me Abdul? That isn't my name!' "'Isn't it? I thought all you sultans were called Abdul. Isn't the sultan's name always Abdul?' "'Mine isn't, but it doesn't matter.' His face began to crinkle up with renewed weeping. Call me anything you like. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I'd rather be called Abdul than be called a warlord and a general when they won't let me have any say at all. With that, the little sultan burst into unrestrained crying. Abdul, if you don't stop crying, I'll go and fetch one of those bushy bazooks to take you away. The little sultan found his voice again. Any b b b bashy bazooks left? None left. Where are they gone? They've taken them all away. Who have? The Germans, and they've sent them all to Poland. I straightened him up a little as he sat sobbing. Come, come, Abdul, brace up. Be a Turk. Be a Mohammedan. Don't act like a Christian. This seemed to touch his pride. He made a great effort to be calm. I could hear him muttering to himself, He said this over a good many times, while I took advantage of the pause to get his fez a little straighter and wipe his face. How many times have I said it? Twenty. Twenty? That ought to be enough, shouldn't it? Isn't prayer helpful, eh? Give me a smoke. I filled his nargile for him, and he began to suck blue smoke out of it with a certain contentment, while the rose water bubbled in the bowl below. I straightened up his cushions and made him a little more comfortable. Now, Abdul, what is it? What is the matter? Why, they've all... G "'Gone!' "'Now don't cry. Tell me properly.' "'They've all gone back on me.' <laughs> "'Who have? Who've gone back on you?' "'Why, everybody. The English and the French and everybody.' "'What do you mean? Tell me exactly what you mean. Whatever you say, I will hold sacred, of course. I saw my path already to a volume of interesting disclosures.' They used to treat me so differently. Abdul's sobbing ceased as he continued. They used to call me the bully boy of the Bosphorus. They said I was the guardian of the Golden Gate. They used to let me kill all the Armenians. I liked and nobody was allowed to collect debts from me. And every now and then they used to send me the nicest ultimatums. Oh, you don't know how nice it used to be here in the Yildiz in the old days. We used all to sit round here in this very hall, me and the diplomats, and play games, such as ultimatum, ultimatum, who's got the ultimatum? Oh, say, it was so nice and peaceful. And we used to have big dinners and conferences, especially after the military manoeuvres and the autumn massacres. Me and the diplomats, all with stars and orders, and me in my white fez with a copper tassel, and hold discussions about how to reform Macedonia. 
But you spoilt it all, Abdul. I didn't, I didn't. I'd have gone on forever. It was all so nice. They used to present me, the diplomats did, with what they called their minimum, and then we, I mean Codfish Pasha and me, had to draft in return our maximum, see? And then we all had to get together again and frame a status quo. But that couldn't go on forever. Why not? It was a great system. We invented it, but everybody was beginning to copy it. In fact, we were leading the world before all this trouble came. Didn't you have anything of our system in your country? What do you call it? In Canada? Yes. Now that I come to think of it, we were getting into it. But the war has changed it all. Exactly. There you are, all changed. The good old days, gone forever. But surely you still have friends. The Bulgarians. The Sultan's little black eyes flashed with anger as he withdrew his pipe for a moment from his mouth. The low scoundrels, the traitors! Why, they're your allies! Yes, Allah, destroy them. They are. They've come over to our side. After centuries of fighting, they refuse to play fair any longer. They're on our side. Who ever heard of such a thing? Bah. But of course we shall massacre them just the same. We shall insist in the terms of peace on retaining our rights of massacre. But then no doubt all the nations will. But you have the Germans. Hush, hush. Abdul anxiously laid his hand on my arm. Someone might hear. You have the Germans. Abdul's voice changed to a queer sing-song, like that of a child repeating a lesson. The Germans are my noble friends, the Germans are my powerful allies, the Kaiser is my good brother, the Reichstag is my foster sister. I love the Germans, I hate the English, I love the Kaiser, the Kaiser loves me. Stop, stop, Abdul. Who taught you all that? Abdul looked cautiously around. They did. There's a lot more of it. Would you like me to recite some more? Oh, no, no, what's the good? I've no heart for reciting any longer. At this, Abdul fell to weeping again. But, Abdul, I don't understand. Why are you so distressed just now? All this has been going on for over two years. Why are you so worried just now? Oh, you haven't heard? I see. You've only just arrived. Why, today is the last day. After today, it is all over. Last day for what? For intervention. For the intervention of the United States. The only thing that can save us. It was to have come today, by the end of this full moon. Our astrologers had predicted it. Smith Pasha, minister under heaven of the United States, had promised, if it came, to send it to us at the earliest moment. How do they send it, do you know, in a box or in paper? My ear caught the sound of footsteps. Stop. There's someone coming now. The sound of slippered feet was distinctly heard on the stones in the outer corridor. Abdul listened intently a moment. I know his slippers. Who is it? It is my chief secretary, too much coffee. Yes, here he comes. As the sultan spoke, the door swung open, and there entered an aged Turk in a flowing gown and coloured turban, with a melancholy yellow face and a long white beard that swept to his girdle. Who do you say he is? My chief secretary, too much coffee. He looks like it. Meantime, too much coffee had advanced across the broad flagstones of the hall where we were sitting. 
With hands lifted, he salaamed four times, east, west, north, and south. What does that mean? The sultan became visibly agitated. It means that he has a communication of the greatest importance and urgency, which will not brook a moment's delay. Well then, why doesn't he get a move on? Hush! Too much coffee now straightened himself from his last salaam and spoke. Allah is great. And Mohammed is his prophet. Allah protect you and make your face shine. Allah lengthen your beard. The sultan added aside to me in English, which too much coffee evidently did not understand. I'm all eagerness to know what it is. It's something big for sure. The little man was quite quivering with excitement as he spoke. You know what I think it is? I think it must be the American intervention. The United States is going to intervene. Eh, what? Don't you think so? Then hurry him up. I can't. It is impossible in Turkey to do business like that. He must have some coffee first, and then he must pray, and then there must be an interchange of presents. I groaned, for I was getting as impatient as Abdul himself. Do not do public business like that in Canada. We used to, but we have got over it. Meanwhile, a slippered attendant had entered and placed a cushion for the secretary, and in front of it a little Persian stool on which he put a quaint cup filled with coffee, black as ink. A similar cup was placed before the sultan. Drink! Not first, until the lips of the commander of the faithful. He means after you. Hurry up, Abdul. Abdul took a sip. Allah is good. And all things are of Allah. Abdul unpinned a glittering jewel from his robe and threw it to the feet of Too Much. Take this poor bauble. Too Much Coffee, in return, took from his wrist a solid bangle of beaten gold. Accept this mean gift from your humble servant. Right. Abdul spoke in a markedly changed voice as the ceremonies ended. Now then, Too Much, what is it? Hurry up, be quick. What is the matter? Too Much rose to his feet lifted his hands high in the air with the palms facing the sultan. One is without. Without what? Without. Outside. Don't you understand, Turkish? What do you call in English a gentleman to see me? And did he make all that fuss and delay over that? Why, with us in Canada, at one of the public departments of Ottawa, all that one would have to do would be simply to send in a card, get it certified, then simply wait in an ante-room, simply read a newspaper, send in another card, wait a little, then simply send in a third card, and then simply... Sure, the cards might be poisoned. Our system is best. Speak on too much. Who is without? Is it perchance a messenger from Smith Pasha, minister under heaven of the United States? Alas, no. It is he. It is the large one. As he spoke, he rolled his eyes upward with a gesture of despair. He! A look of terror convulsed Abdul's face. The large one! Shut him out! Call the chief eunuch and the major domo of the harem! Let him not in! Alas, he threw them out of the window. Lo, he is here! He enters! As the secretary spoke, a double door at the end of the hall swung noisily open at the blow of an imperious fist and with a rattle of arms and accoutrements, a man of gigantic stature, wearing full military uniform and a spiked helmet, strode into the room. 
As he entered, an attendant who accompanied him, also in a uniform and a spiked helmet, called in a loud, strident voice that resounded to the arches of the hall, His High Excellence, Feld Marshal von der Doppelbauch, special representant of his Majestat William II, Deutscher Kaiser, and King of England. Abdul collapsed into a little heap. His fez fell over his face. Too much coffee had slunk into a corner. Von der Doppelbauch strode noisily forward and came to a stand in front of Abdul with a click and rattle after the Prussian fashion. Majestat, I greet you. I bow low before you. Salam. I kiss the floor at your feet. But in reality he did nothing of the sort. He stood to the full height of his six feet six and glowered about him. Salam. The field marshal looked angrily at me. But who is this? My costume, or rather my disguise, for, as I have said, I was wearing a poke bonnet with a plain black dress, seemed to puzzle him. My new governess, she came this morning. She is a professor. Bah! A woman? A professor? Bah! No, no! Abdul spoke in protest, and it seemed decent of the little creature to stick up for me. She's all right. She is interesting and knows a great deal. She's from Canada. What? From Canada? But stop. It seems to me that Canada is a country that we are at war with. Let me think. Canada. Hmm. I must look at my list. He pulled out a little set of tablets as he spoke. Let me see. Britain, Great Britain, British North America, British Guiana, British Nigeria. Ha, of course, under K. Kandahar, Corfu. No, I don't seem to see it. Fritz! He called to the aide-de-camp who had announced him. Telegraph at once to the topographical staff at Berlin and find out if we are at war with Canada. If we are... He pointed at me. Throw her into the Bosphorus. If we are not, treat her with every consideration, with every distinguished consideration. But see that she doesn't get away. Keep her tight till we are at war with Canada, as no doubt we shall be, wherever it is, and then throw her into the Bosphorus. The aide clicked his heels and withdrew. And now, Your Majesty, I bring you good news. More good news? Abdul twisted his clasped fingers to and fro, a picture of true misery. Alas, good news again. First, the Kaiser has raised you to the order of the Black Dock. Here is your feather. Another feather? Here, too much. Take it and put it among the feathers. The field marshal checked off another item. Secondly, your contribution... Your personal contribution to His Majesty's 23rd Imperial Loan is accepted. I didn't make any. No difference. It is accepted anyway. The telegram has just arrived accepting all your money. My assistants are packing it up outside. Abdul collapsed still further into his cushions. Third, and this will rejoice Your Majesty's heart. Your troops are again victorious. Victorious? Uh, victorious again? I knew they would be. I suppose they are all dead, as usual. They are. The field marshal gave a reverent salute. Their souls are in heaven. No, no, not in heaven. Don't say that. Not in heaven. Say that they are in Nishvana, our Turkish paradise. I am sorry. 
This is a Christian war. The Kaiser has insisted on their going to heaven. The Sultan bowed his head. Ishmillah, it is the will of Allah. But they did not die without glory. Their victory was complete. His eyes glittered with soldierly passion. Set it out to yourself. There stood your troops, ten thousand. In front of them, the Russians, a hundred thousand. What did your men do? Did they pause? No, they charged. They charged? Don't say that. Have they charged again? Just Allah. Abdul turned to too much. They have charged again, and we must pay. We shall have to pay. We always do when they charge. Alas, alas, they have charged again. Everything is charged. But how nobly. Imagine it to yourself. Here beside this stool, let us say, were your men. There, across the cushion, were the Russians. All the ground between us was mined. We knew it. Our soldiers knew it. Even our staff knew it. Even Prince Tatulwitz Hafstuf, our commander, knew it. But your soldiers did not. What did our prince do? The prince called for volunteers to charge over the ground. There was a great shout from our men, our chairman regiments. He called again. There was another shout. He called still again. There was a third shout. Sick of it. And again Prince Hafstuf called, and again they shouted. Who shouted? Our men, our chairmans. Did my Turks shout? They did not. They were too busy tightening their belts and fixing their bayonets. But our generous fellows shouted for them. Then Prince Hafstuf called out, The place of honor is for our Turkish brothers. Let them charge. And all our men shouted again. And they charged? They did, and were all gloriously blown up. A magnificent victory. The blowing up of the mines blocked all the ground, checked the Russians, and enabled our men, by a prearranged rush, to advance backwards, taking up a new strategic... Yes, yes, I know. I have read of it, alas, only too often. And they are dead. Abdul quietly drew a little pouch from his girdle. Too much. Take this pouch of rubies and give them to the wives of the dead general of our division. One to each. He had, I think, but seventeen. His walk was quiet. Allah give him peace. Stop. I will take the rubies. I myself will charge myself with the task and will myself see that I do it myself. Give me them. Be it so, too much. Give them to him. And now there is yet one other thing further still more. He drew a roll of paper from his pocket. Too much. Bring me yonder little table with ink, quills, and sand. I have here a manifesto for his majesty to sign. No, no, not another manifesto. Not that. I signed one only last week. The field marshal lifted the table that Too Much had brought into place in front of the sultan and spread out the papers on it. This is a new one. It is a better one. This is the best one yet. What does it say? Abdul peered at it miserably. I can't read it. It's not in Turkish. 
It is your last word of proud defiance to all your enemies. No, no, no defiance. They might not understand. The field marshal laid his massive finger on the text. Here you declare your irrevocable purpose. You swear that rather than submit, you will hurl yourself into the Bosphorus. Where does it say that? Here, beside my sum. I can't do it! I can't do it! The big Prussian continued, quite undisturbed by Abdul's patent perturbation. More than that, further, you state hereby to fix your resolve rather than give in to cast yourself from the highest pinnacle of the topmost minaret of this palace. Oh, not the highest! Don't make it the highest! Your purpose is fixed. Nothing can alter it. Unless the Allied powers withdraw from their advance on Constantinople, you swear that within one hour you will fill your mouth with mud and burn yourself alive. Tristella, does it say all that? All that. All that within an hour. It is a splendid defiance. The Kaiser himself has seen it and admired it. These, he said, are the words of a man. Abdul appeared to be clearly flattered by this unexpected praise. Did he say that? But is he too about to hurl himself off his minaret? Von der Doppelbauch looked very stern. For the moment, no. Much to my surprise, Abdul picked up the pen and began making ready. I suppose if I must sign it, I must. He marked the paper and sprinkled it with sand. For one hour? Well, well. He added with dignity, Von der Doppelbauch, Pasha, you are permitted to withdraw. Commend me to your imperial master, my brother. Tell him that, when I am gone, he may have Constantinople, provided only... And a certain slyness appeared in the Sultan's eye. That he can get it. Farewell. The field marshal, majestic as ever, gathered up the manifesto, clicked his heels together, and withdrew. As the door closed behind him, I had expected the little Sultan to fall into hopeless collapse. Not at all. On the contrary, a look of peculiar cheerfulness spread over his features. He refilled his nargile and began quietly smoking at it. Too much I see there is no hope. Alas! I have now, apparently, but sixty minutes in front of me. I had hoped that the intervention of the United States might have saved me. It has not. Instead of it, I meet my fate. Well, well, it is kismet. I bow to it. He smoked away quite cheerfully. Presently he paused. Too much? Kindly go and fetch me a sharp knife, double-edged if possible, but sharp, and a stout bowstring. Up to this time, I had remained a mere spectator of what had happened, but now I feared that I was on the brink of witnessing an awful tragedy. Good heavens, Abdul, what are you going to do? Do? Why, kill myself, of course. The Sultan paused for a moment in an interval of his cheerful smoking. What else should I do? What else is there to do? I shall first stab myself in the stomach and then throttle myself with the bowstring. In half an hour I shall be in paradise. Too much. Summon hither from the inner harem Fatima and Falula. They shall sit beside me and sing to me at the last hour, for I love them well 
and later they too shall voyage with me to paradise. See that they are both thrown a little later into the Bosphorus, for my heart yearns towards the two of them, especially perhaps towards Fatima, but I have never quite made up my mind. The Sultan sat back with a little gurgle of contentment, the rosewater bubbling soothingly in the bowl of his pipe. Then he turned to his secretary again. Too much. You will at the same time send a bowstring to Codfish Pasha, my chief of war. He turned to me. It is our sign, you know. It gives Codfish leave to kill himself. And too much. Send a bowstring also to Beef Hash Pasha, my vizier. Good fellow, he will expect it. And to McPherson Effendi, my financial adviser. Let them all have bowstrings. Stop, stop. I don't understand. The little man appeared quite astonished. Why, surely it is plain enough. What would you do in Canada? When your ministers, as I think you call them, fail and no longer enjoy your support, do not send them bowstrings? Never. They go out of office, but... And they do not disembowel themselves on their retirement? Have they not that privilege? Never. What an idea. The little sultan calmly resumed his pipe. The ways of the infidel are beyond the compass of the true intelligence of the faithful. Yet I thought it was so even as here. I had read in your newspapers that after your last election your ministers were buried alive, buried under a landslide, was it not? We thought it, here in Turkey, a noble fate for them. They crawled out. Ishmillah, but go too much. And listen thou also, for in spite of all thou hast served me well, shalt have a bowstring. Too much fell on his knees in gratitude and clutched the sole of Abdul's slipper. Oh, master, master, it is too kind. Nay, nay, thou hast deserved it, and I will go further. This stranger too, my governess, this professor, bring also for the professor a bowstring, and a two-bladed knife. All Canada shall rejoice to hear of it. The students shall leap up like young lambs at the honour that will be done. Bring the knife too much. Bring the knife. Abdul, this is too much. I refuse. I am not fit. The honour is too great. Not so. I am still sultan. I insist upon it. For, listen, I have long penetrated your disguise and your kind design. I saw it from the first. You knew all and came to die with me. It was kindly meant. But you shall die no common death. Yours shall be the honour of the double knife. Let it be extra sharp too much. And the bowstring. Abdul, it cannot be. You forget. I have an appointment to be thrown into the Bosphorus. The death of a dog? Never. My will is still law. Too much? Kill him on the spot. Hit him with the stool. Throw the coffee at him. But at this moment, there were heard loud cries and shouting, as in tones of great gladness in the outer hall of the palace, doors swinging to and fro, and the sound of many running feet. One heard above all the call, It has come. It has come. The sultan looked up quickly. Too much quick. See what it is. Hurry, hurry. Haste. Do not stay on ceremony. Drink a cup of coffee. Give me five cents. Fifty cents, anything, and take leave and see what it is. But before too much could reply, a turbaned attendant had already burst in through the door, unannounced, and thrown himself at Abdul's feet. Master, master, 
It is here. It has come. As he spoke, he held out in one hand a huge envelope, heavy with seals. I could detect in great letters stamped across it the words Washington and Office of the Secretary of State. Abdul seized and opened the envelope with trembling hands. It is it! It is sent by Smith Pasha, Minister under the Peace of Heaven of the United States. It is the intervention. I am saved! Then there was silence among us, breathless and anxious. Abdul glanced down the missive, reading it in silence to himself. Oh, noble, oh, generous, it is too much, too splendid a lot. What does it say? Look, the United States has used its good offices. It has intervened. All is settled. My fate is secure. Yes, yes, but what is it? Is it believable? It appears that none of the belligerents cared about me at all. None had designs upon me. The war was not made, as we understood, too much as an attempt to seize my person. All they wanted was Constantinople, not me at all. Powerful Allah, why was it not so said? For me, great honours are prepared. I am to leave Constantinople. That is the sole condition. It shall then belong to whoever can get it. Nothing could be fairer. It always has. I am to have a safe conduct, is it not noble, to the United States. No one is to attempt to poison me. Is it not generosity itself? Neither on land nor even, mark this especially too much, on board ship. Nor is anyone to throw me overboard or otherwise transport me to paradise. It passes belief. Allah is indeed good. In the United States itself, or I should say themselves too much, for are they not innumerable? I am to have a position of the highest trust, power and responsibility. Is it really possible? It is so written. I am to be placed at the head as the sole head or sovereign of, how is it written, a Turkish bath establishment in New York. There I am to enjoy the same freedom and to exercise just as much, it is so written, exactly as much political power as I do here. Is it not glorious? Allah, illallah. You too much shall come with me, for there is a post of great importance placed at my disposal, so it is written under the title of Rubber Down. Too much, let our preparations be made at once. Notify Fatima and Falula. Those two alone shall go, for it is a Christian country, and I bow to its prejudices. Two, I understand, is the limit, but we must leave at once. The sultan paused a moment and then looked at me. And our good friend here, we must leave to get out of this Yildiz kiosk by whatever magic means he came into it. Which I did, and I am assured by those who know that the intervention was made good and that Abdul and Too Much may be seen to this day, or to any other day, moving to and fro in their slippers and turbans in their Turkish bath emporium at the corner of Broadway and... But stop, that would be saying too much, especially as Fatima and Falula occupy the upstairs. And it is said that Abdul has developed a very special talent for heating up the temperature for his Christian customers. Moreover, it is the general opinion that whether or not the Kaiser and such people will get their desserts, Abdulaziz has his. <laughs>